If you've never been here before to Fulfillment Theology, I do the mic so that it's for the podcast, so we have it for the podcast. Hey, Shipsy, what's up? Okay, so uh, this will be the second to the last one we do. The dark nut. We'll do more later, but we got other stuff going on. No. No. Because that is too obvious when you think aren't so obvious. So anyway, so in two weeks we're going to do the the Dark Knight long movie. So we're going to try and start as close to six as possible. So be on time if you're coming for the Dark Knight. Not like well, Brit Stanley. I think he's out of town now, but he usually gets off work at six, and so I try and wait for him to get here because he likes coming. So uh, again, this is just my little precursor to everything that we do. We as are you playing with her? She just hearing me talk, and she wants over here. Yeah, we never, as people, we never shut off our minds. We're always thinking. So nothing that you go and watch is ever mindless entertainment. Your minds are always watching something. They're picking up something that they're seeing. Directors and writers are trying to get a message across of something they're trying to portray. It's just like music. Music, if you just had music, is probably amoral. It, there's, it's not good or bad if it's just music. But as soon as you add lyrics, it com- becomes communication. So just like movies is communication. So when you watch writers write things, directors direct things, they're trying to get across certain ideas. So tonight we are going to do The Hulk. Okay. This is, you may not, not think this is a superhero movie. It's kind of the un-superhero movie. Hope you're excited about The Hulk. I, I assumed if I told everybody it would be a low turnout, and so I... And so I didn't tell anybody what, what it was, and so I have the same type of low turnout, which is fine. It, it, it's great. But, but the Hulk is so misunderstood. This movie got totally mixed reviews, uh, just like the first one did, which was a lot worse than this one. So the movie is directed by Louis Lettier. Oh, wait. Next one. Next one. I didn't put him in order. Next one. Next one. Next one. Next one. Oh, I guess I didn't put him in there. Okay, start at the top then. It's okay, so I, I didn't put a picture of him in here. What a, what a bummer. Uh, he actually he also did Clash of the Titans, which wasn't that good. He, he did the infinitely better Transporter. Yeah. And he also did Unleashed, if you ever saw the Jet Li movie with him. So, this, so the movie stars go to the third slide. Ed Norton. Yay. Okay. American History X, Fight Club, Ed Norton. He becomes Bruce Banner and the Hulk. He actually helped write the script for the movie, which was a bonus and not so much. I think it's one of the reasons he didn't come back to star in the Avengers because of all the disputes he had. Uh, he was, he was uh, cast as Bruce Banner on the recommendation of Lou Ferrigno. If you guys ever saw the 1977 Hulk, uh, Lou Ferrigno thought that his acting represented pretty, pretty well Bill Bixby, the guy who did the Hulk during the TV show, and he said he really wanted him. So Lou Ferrigno was instrumental in getting Ed Norton in the movie. Liv Tyler, next slide, plays Betty Ross. I just pick her because she's probably the new things at the time. Uh, Tim Roth. Oh, next one. Sorry. Yeah. Next, this is Tim Roth. He does a TV show on Fox called Lie to Me. Have you guys seen it or not? Uh, he is Emil Blonsky. He becomes what's called the abomination in the movie. Tim Roth signed on to do the film because he was a fan of the TV show, The Incredible Hulk. As well, his kids are rabid comic book fans. So apparently during the movie, he would go around every time he's in a shot, and he goes, are my kids going to like to see me in this thing? I think this is cool. <laughs> and there's a scene in it where he just gets knocked across like into this tree, and I think his kids really think that was cool. So go back one. This is William Hurt. He is General Thunderbolt Ross, which is Betty's 
dead. So I'll give you a little bit of background. Uh, the Hulk began in 1963. He was created by Stan Lee, who gave us Spider-Man and Iron Man and Fantastic Four, a whole bunch of spandex-wearing people. That's co-created by a guy named Jack Kirby. In the debut, debut uh, they actually inked him as great. Uh, Stan Lee wanted the Hulk not to represent any race, so they, he did gray. But unfortunately, when the inking came out and they started printing all the runs of this, some were gray, some were light green, some were... And so at, when they finally got done, he just said, forget it, we're going green, because the printers couldn't print gray correctly, so they just decided to go with green. Uh, when they started the Hulk, uh, they, got different, they got a different audience than they thought. They originally thought they were going to get comic book fanboys for the Hulk, but in 1965, Jack Kirby got a letter from a college dorm stating the Hulk had become their mascot. In the 1970s, in the comic books, the Hulk ends up at Berkeley, and he looks up and sees a statue that says, Know Thyself, and it shocks him back into being Bruce Banner. In 1965, Esquire magazine, two years after the Hulk came out, they did a poll, and college students ranked Spider-Man, Hulk, Che Guevara, and Bob Dylan as their greatest revolutionary icons. The Hulk, he is the emotional, impulsive alter ego of Dr. Bruce Banner. Uh, the Hulk appears shortly after. He is exposed to grammar radiation of a test detonation of a bomb originally that he actually made. Uh, so Banner involuntarily turns into the Hulk. Whenever he gets scared, his blood pressure goes up, he gets angry, and the Hulk is the giant, raging humanoid monster. Uh, Stan Lee said it was... Uh, the Hulk was done as a combination between Frankenstein and Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. In 1960, uh, the Hulk, they tried to represent all the fears of like the atomic bomb and science gone amok, and that's why they were trying to do it the way they did. The series dealt with rage and repression, and he actually, in the TV show, came to use the name uh, David Banner because they thought the word Bruce Banner was too girly. I don't know how my, my favorite TV actor, Bruce Campbell, feels about that. But, you know. Uh, and way back when it first started, also with the atomic bomb, they, it was also communism, the Red Scare. Emil Blonsky in the movie was originally a Soviet spy. And so that's, yeah. The 80s movie, The Thing, was actually taken from the Hulk. Uh, does anybody actually, anybody Hulk fans at all? Anybody? Okay. Does anybody know how the, he originally in the first comic books turned into the Hulk? Anybody? At night. It was like a werewolf. He would turn into the Hulk at night, and then he turned back into a man during the day. Uh, you know, night, Hulk, day, man. Uh, then they started to use a machine to trigger the effect and, and send the lesser two evils out at the coming enemy. Uh, in the 70s is when it became the standardized rage that everyone knew about that made him turn into the Hulk. Also in the 70s, what they did is they made everybody in the comic book United States know that it was Bruce Banner who was the Hulk, so the poor guy can never connect with anybody, is isolated, confused, alone. Maybe that's why all the college kids connect with it. Uh, in the 80s comics, you find out that they started adding things to Bruce Banner's character where he ended up being uh, abused as a child, where his father killed his mother in, in a blind rage. And so now it's all this corked up repressed rage and gamma radiation that turns into the Hulk, so apparently it's his parents' fault now. In the 90s, Peter David started writing for the Hulk, and he explores all these different psychological aspects. He has a scuffle. His, his father gets paroled from prison. He has a scuffle and accidentally kills his father in a scuffle where his father bashes his head against 
his mom's grave. So he, so he now kills his dad. So he had all these emotional issues uh, poured on him. And so what you started to see in the comic books was different versions of the Hulk. You would have Gray Hulk, which is like the sadistic Hulk. You'd have Green Hulk, which was Savage Hulk, all because of his shattered psyche. I guess that's what radiation does to you. I don't know. Uh, so he started to search for a way to fuse all of these things back together, all these personalities. And the first Hulk movie in 2003, Ang Lee did it, and he tried to take all of these ideas of all this repressed rage and anger at his father. If you, if you saw it, you saw how his father didn't have a good relationship with him in the first movie. Uh, Eric Bana actually plays Bruce Banner, very repressed. He doesn't have a whole lot of emotion. That was the big knock on the movie. He didn't have a whole lot of emotion in the movie. That's because he was trying to play it just like the comic book. So you have, you have all these things, you know, the Cold War fears, communism, science gone awry, psychological issues all play into the Hulk. But the one constant has always been the human nature of his duality that exists throughout the entire story. So I'll give you some fun stuff and then I'll watch the movie. Uh, it took the visual effects artists in this movie. You'll see in the beginning he's working in this factory. He gets cut and a drop of his blood falls down like three flights. And it took the visual effects artist a year to do that scene where it falls down into a bottle. Now, after the Hulk appears at Culver City University in the movie, two students are interviewed. The first one is Jack McGee. The second one is Jim Wilson. Jack McGee in the TV show was a tabloid reporter that followed the Hulk around. And Jim Wilson is an orphan who befriended the Hulk in the comic books. Uh, Betty Ross buys Bruce some pants in the movie, and they're purple. In the comic books, he's almost always seen wearing these purple pants, the Hulk is. Uh, Paul Souls, who actually portrays Stanley in the movie, he's the guy that owns the pizza shop, he provided the voice for Bruce Banner in the 1960s Hulk animated series. So they wanted to put him back in the movie again. Uh, the military base mentioned in the movie is Fort Johnson. It's named after Kenneth Johnson, the writer, director, and producer of the original Incredible Hulk TV show. Uh, the pa there's a package that uh, Banner receives when he's in British Columbia, and it says David B., and it's actually a reference to the TV show where he's called David Banner on the TV show. Uh, the visual effects artist tried to make the looks of the Hulk and the Abomination in the movie like linebackers for the NFL. In the comic book, actually, uh, the, the Abomination has pointed ears. And the director wanted to put the pointed ears on the Abomination, but he thought, what would the Hulk do with the creature that had pointed ears? He'd probably bite them off, like Mike Tyson. And, they, and if they did that, they wouldn't get a PG-13 rating. So he didn't put pointed ears on the Abomination solely because... Of, of that. Ah! Okay, sorry, I'm being told to hurry up. The, the transformations into the Hulk, the director based those on an American werewolf in London, so it looked very painful. Uh, there's a sound in the movie where Banner actually cuts himself in the factory. The same background sounds in the background of that are from the Carbonite Chamber in Star Wars Episode V, where Han Solo gets placed in the thing. Uh, there's a scene in the movie where Han Solo, or Han Solo, where, see, now I'm stuck on Han Solo, where the, where the Hulk takes a cop car and makes gloves out of it. That's actually taken from the video game, which I used to play and I really liked. And there's a final scene in the movie where General Ross, he's, he's at a bar, he's drinking a drink, and this drink is actually called The Incredible Hulk. It's made out of a Hennessy cognac and hypnotic liquor mixed together. And the Hulk speaks six words in the entire movie. They are Leave Me Alone, Hulk Smash, and Betty. Okay, whatever. So let's pray and we'll get going. Father, thanks for movies and, and the Hulk and all the things that he represents. We ask that we would uh, enjoy this much better than the, the early one in 2003. And we thank you for creating cinema. Amen. All right, here you go. So uh, Ed Norton was supposed to be actually in the Avengers, but he's not.
They didn't like him so much, apparently. So, the Hulk. I'll give you the theology so I can run you guys out here. Bruce Banner. Uh, he's a guy. He runs. Uh, Bruce Banner hides. Bruce Banner seeks a cure for what afflicts him, none of which are washboard abs because those come standard with the Hulk. Boy, you're a tough crowd. Uh, the, the Hulk is inside him. The Hulk haunts him. The Hulk hurts the ones he loves. The, the Hulk keeps him separated uh, from those he loves. It keeps him from receiving love. It keeps him from life and peace. As you see everything that goes, it always says days without incident, you know, so long before those. At one time he thinks he can control it, but eventually it always controls him. Kind of sounds like something. Sounds like sin, doesn't it? Again, Stanley, I, I told you when he, when he came up with him, the Hulk is the offspring of Frankenstein and Jekyll and Hyde. Looks a little like Frankenstein, like the monster, but also Jekyll and Hyde because you have the two sides of it. In 1886, Robert Louis Stevenson wrote uh, Jekyll and Hyde. And in 1886, when after it came out, people started reading it, and actually it was used in sermons around the country, just kind of like we use the Hulk in film and theology. It's kind of like Bruce Banner, he lives in this state of panic, afraid the monster is going to erupt. Doesn't doesn't just pertain to like adolescence for all of us. I mean, I'm 40 years old, and it still happens to me. I am worried about sin erupting in my life. I don't sleep enough. I don't spend enough time with my Creator. I don't eat enough, and I erupt. I'm I'm like the Hulk. Their sin. It is this thing. It is inside of us. It separates us from other people. It separates us from God. It keeps us from true life, all that we want to be, the life we know that we actually need. And many times we are fearful of it and know it is dangerous to people around us. You know, he says in the movie, he goes, I don't want to control it. I want to get rid of it. I mean, it's a simple line, but it really rings true for all of us. And all the negative aspects of our humanity, self-control even today seems to be this foreign concept because we everybody in, just goes into indulgence. The path of least resistance is simply given into our vices. When we can attempt to control our feelings, many times it just seems easier to rid ourselves of trying to control it and just doing what we want to do anyway. He even says to Betty in the movie, he says, it's, he says, it's not me. And she says, no, you're in there. I can see you're in there. Which means it is. It's in him. It's, it's in us. Sin is in us. Even in the end, it's like he starts to control it. And yet, he has to be stopped by Betty because he starts reveling in being able to kill this thing. He's like, ah, she's all stuck. Because sin starts to take him over. Banner, at a, at a cellular level, the guy is corrupted. He created the monster. He is the one who did the experiment that made the thing. He did it to himself. And no matter how hard we try, we're stuck in our fallen nature and we have to work very hard to quell the beast and we really can't even actually do it. That is the idea of sin. Sin separates us. Sin pulls people apart. It keeps you separated from life and love and peace. You know, here is someone you know, trying to destroy an aspect of their nature that's harmful to other people. Proverbs 20 verse 9 says, Who can say, I have kept my heart pure, I am clean and without sin? I think when you watch the Hulk, it's like, oh, the Hulk. But you watch it, and I think it's a story that resonates with every single person because we all live where David Banner lives, or Bruce Banner lives, and the Hulk do. Our sin cuts us off from life. The monster inside of us wants to break free and destroy everything around us. We are broken, and we are destroyed, and we are cursed. In the original TV series in the 70s, the opening narrative said this, 
Dr. David Banner, phys uh, physician, scientist, searching for a way to tap into the hidden strengths that all humans have. Then an accidental overdose of gamma radiation alters his body chemistry. And now when David Banner grows angry or outraged, a startling metamorphosis occurs. What it says is that Banner messes with the natural order and then destroys everything around him. Like God sets up creation and he says this, you know, follow me, doing the good thing is following me. And man says, no, 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 I'm going to do what I want to do. And we upset the way that God called us to do things. God has this order. Mankind was simply to trust him. Man becomes prideful, thought he could do it better than God, tries to make himself better by eating the fruit, but instead releases sin. And now that monster resides in every person. All of us, all of us, all the evil that we could do. And even sometimes when we try to control it, it still doesn't make us better. We are still evil inside. James 3, 9 and 10 says, With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. It's all very sad. It is it's very depressing. But, but, I have, but I have good news. God gives his creation dignity because we are made in the image of God. How do you get rid of sin? Well, if you watch the movie, Banner can't run from himself. At the end of the movie, he's doing this meditation thing because he thinks he can control it, but we know he can't, like it's going to do some sort of good. Like if we say, well, I'll only tell lies that help people, or uh, I'll only sell drugs and give the money to God, or you know, crazy things like that. I'll only beat up that guy so he knows not to mess with Christians, or you know, something stupid like that. You know, we, we do so much for our own glory. You know, how do we get rid of sin at the end of the movie? Days without incident? Zero. Zero. We don't. We are broken. We are helpless. We are lost. Jesus is the one that does that. It is his redemption. What does David Banner and the Hulk need? Redemption. That's what he needs. I mean, and, and even when we are redeemed, Christians aren't perfect. We still sin. We, we hulk out. And we get harsh with our friends and spouses and co-workers. You know, we are not what we want. We are not what God intends for us to be. And we keep looking to try to things to fix ourselves. And the true tragedy is always thinking that we can fix it. And we can't. We can't remedy our own condition. And they'll never cure the Hulk because Marvel doesn't want to stop making money. <laughs> this is it. We will not find the cure ourselves. Your buddy, Mr. Blue, won't do it for you. You know, Jesus even talking to the Pharisees in John 8:43 says, Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I see what I say. Every time we try to cure ourselves, it is a hopeless pursuit. What we need, and again, what Bruce Banner needs is redemption. Someone to atone for the pain and the misery that the Hulk causes. Banner needs forgiveness and to have this real nature of who he's intended to be fully restored to who he is. And as a Christian, that is available to us as a people. Uh, 2,000 years ago, God in the flesh dies on a cross, rises from the dead to free us from the monster within the monster known as sin. You know, Jesus Christ's sacrifice paid the price for our sin, the price we could never pay. And there is a cure available, and it is his blood. You don't have to be a slave to this monster, nor do we have to fear what the monster may do when it takes over. We no longer have to give in to those urges. There is forgiveness and there is freedom. And most importantly, there is a loving comfort because God does care for us. And he wants to see us cured from the monster within. It's not something you have to learn to live with. He deems to make you a new creation in Christ. And that, that is the beauty of the gospel. 
And I, and I think when you, when you watch the Hulk and you, and you see how he can't control it, and every time he wants to, and, and then it just breaks out. I mean, that is who we are. And yet, it is not who we have to be. We can be a redeemed people. So, anything? That's my take. Anybody? To beat up the abomination, the so the one the one sin to beat up the more sin. Yeah, well, but you know that's but some people do that. Some people sin a little. Some people sin a lot. You know, and sometimes that sin just takes you farther and farther and farther, and you become the abomination. I mean, some people look at it and you and they would say, oh well, well the Hulk, you know, he's not he's not as at least it's not as bad as the abomination. It's kind of like how we look at other people around us and we go, well, at least my sin's not as bad as that guy's sin. I mean, shoot, you know. I only flipped him off. I didn't run him off the road. <laughs> that guy ran him off the road. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it, the, the thing is, when we compare, like, what Scripture says, you know, we compare ourselves to other, to our, ourselves to other people, it, it is not wise. Would Betty be giving him peace that he needs? Yeah, but, see, but, but in that, he's, he's looking for Betty to be the cure, and Betty is not the cure. Yeah. Betty calms him down. Kind of like for a lot of us, our friends are like, maybe you shouldn't do that. Yeah, I shouldn't do that. <laughs> and Mr. Blue, is he going to come back as a... No, they're, they're not actually going to make a sequel to that now. It was always in the works. It was always planned to make a sequel, but they're not going to. He was morphing out yeah. a little bit there, mm-hmm. like the brain. If you, if you guys really like it, you should play the video game. Because <laughs> you do. It's, that's one of the things you do. You get to take cars and make them into gloves. And I think it's on your Xbox. Luke? Yeah. <laughs> Anything else? Anyway, no? Thanks, Bill Shipsy, for at least sharing. Well, let's pray. Father, we thank you for being a God who uh, offers your son as the cure for the way that we hulk out, that his blood redeems us as a people. And we ask that we would be those who avail ourselves of that and the strength that you give us so we can live and walk truly as your people. You are a good God, and you, and you take care of us as your people when many times we are so undeserving. But we thank you for caring for us the way that you do. And we ask that we, in turn, would trust in your strength that you provide, the redemption that you give, so we would live more and more reflecting of who you are. Amen. Have a good night. Remember, two weeks, dark night. The Joker...